Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Many believe that they can get into heaven simply by being a good person, pastors included. But isn't that an idea that we came up with ourselves? There's no truth behind it at all. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us of the sobering fact that no one will enter heaven unless they've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on October 9th, 2022. My assistant pastor, Mac gave me permission to share his experience when given the anthrax injection. In 2001, all deployable units to the Middle East were ordered to have their service members take the anthrax vax, which would consist of three different shots. Once assigned to my fourth submarine USS Boise out of Norfolk, Virginia, I was ordered to take the vax due to our upcoming deployment to the region. We all had to sign what is known as a page 13, which is basically a sworn statement that removes any and all liability from the government while forcing service members into submitting to this or face punitive actions. Since I was not well informed nor thought much about it, having received numerous shots in the past, I signed the form and took the first round of the anthrax vax. The first thing to note was the knot that it left on my arm as well as others for quite some time. If I recall correctly, this knot stayed for at least a few weeks and remained sensitive to the touch. To this day, I remember where that shot was administered. Other than that, there were no immediate issues that I noticed, but then I started having several heart and joint related issues. Both have never ceased and have only been mitigated with medication and surgeries. Specifically, I developed severe osteoporosis in nearly all of my main joints, hips, shoulders, knees, spine, lower and upper. As such, a bone density scan was conducted, and the thickness of my bones have been determined to be significantly below average and continued to be monitored. Both hips have since been replaced. Bone spurs in both knees have been and continue to be treated. I have had three separate heart procedures in order to treat irregular heartbeats and will be on heart and rheumatoid arthritis medication 
for the rest of my life. My severe conditions have been linked to the anthrax vax, but as a military vet who signed a page 13, I have no ability to sue for any damages. I am receiving disability. That includes my major ailments, but there is no telling how many years this has taken off of my life. I never took the second and third shot. Thank God that I did not. Okay, doubtless you already know where I'm going with this, and probably even why I'm going there with this, so I'll just get right to the point. The 9-11 deception paved the way for the COVID-19 deception, and the proverbial proof is in the prophetic pudding of the evidence. As such, I'll briefly address two questions. However, and please hear me, I do so not for those looking for an argument, rather only those looking for answers. So please, please, I make that appeal. Question number one, if there were no planes on 9-11, what happened to the people on those planes? Answer, there were people on those planes, some of whom made cell phone and or air phone calls. However, they had to have been made from an undisclosed location on the ground and not in the air by virtue of the cell phone technology, certainly back in 2001, and I would even argue present day. I haven't been on a plane since 2019 of my own volition, by the way, that's by choice. And I have no intentions, unless the Lord says otherwise, to ever get on another airplane again. But for those of you that do fly, are you able to make cell phone calls from the plane? Over 1,800 feet of altitude? 100. Not 30,000. I, I tried, by the way. Oh, you, you have too, I'm sure. You know, they say, make sure all your devices are turned off. I'm, I'm like, why? Oh, because it interferes with the signals. Oh, well, I forgot to turn it off one time. There was no interference. Oh, come on, you're laughing because you did the same thing. So what did you do? You did what I did. You looked at your phone like, oh, hey, oh, it's on. Oh, it's on an airplane mode. Oh, no service. We're 10 minutes into the flight. No service. We're maybe 2,000 feet. No service. Okay, so they made calls, right? Yeah, they recorded them. Yes. But those calls could not have been made, connected, or remain connected for the amount of time they were recorded. This according to the official reports concerning the speeds and altitudes they alleged the planes were traveling. Pictured here is a screenshot at the one hour and 50 minute mark from a five hour documentary, which if you're interested, we've provided a link to that too. Watch it, will you? 
I mean, just skip that episode on Netflix and watch this instead. Sorry, that was kind of mean, but it answers this with proof and evidence, evidence and proof. In the interest of time, I'll simply mention one well-known case, not involving a cell phone call, but an air phone call to Lisa Jefferson, a GTA air phone operator. Like with the other calls, there was no background noise at all. Also, Lisa Jefferson testified that she did not lose a connection, this is from the air phone, when the plane allegedly crashed. Actually, the connection remained open for another 45 minutes after the plane has supposedly disintegrated. Question number two. What do you say to those who claim that they saw planes hit the towers? A couple of thoughts, the first of which is the neuroscience of cognitive dissonance can overpower the human brain. Pictured here is a screenshot from another documentary we provided a link to, it's only two hours, <laughs> in which Dr. Lori A. Manuel speaks on the topic of psychological resistance to alternative accounts. Listen to what she had to say. There are many theories as to why some people refuse to look at evidence that the official account is false. The human brain is the most complex organism in the body, and thus the mechanisms by which the mind processes, interpret, and responds to information is equally complex. At any one time, this organ is processing an infinite amount of information, both from its internal and external environment, most of which we are unconscious of. Even those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that we adamantly believe to be consciously determined. We assume that when we are looking at something, we are consciously analyzing it based upon the visual information that is entering the brain from the eyes, but this is not entirely accurate. You can experience an emotional reaction to something before you are consciously aware that you have even seen it, which in turn then affects how you see it. Alternative explanations of political assassinations, terrorist attacks, and other national tragedies that differ from the official state accounts are sometimes dismissed by the general public because they evoke strong cognitive dissonance, a psychological phenomenon which occurs when new ideas or information conflict with previously formed ideologies and accepted beliefs. Can I add narratives? Second thought to this question of those who claim they saw planes. I want to refer you to this YouTube video posted on September 11th, 
2017, which as of Friday, had over 4 million views, titled, Flight Attendant Sheds New Light on 9-11. In it, Rebecca Roth, a foremost expert on 9-11 with about 30 years of her career as an international flight attendant, brings light to what really occurred on that fateful day. And if you don't mind, I would just like to quote briefly from the transcript. I started doing thousands of hours of research. I used all of my years of training, and the information that I discovered was literally so mind-blowing, it made me physically sick when I really figured out what had happened, and how it happened, and who did it, and how it was covered up. We've also provided a link to her website for those that are interested. Okay. I suppose the question now is, Pastor, <laughs> with all due respect, how does knowing all of this, this mind-blowing, sickening truth about what's really happening, how does that bring me to Jesus? Well, thankfully, we have the words of Jesus that answer this for us, specifically as it relates to how the lie is the catalyst for the truth. At the end of the day, the only way any of us, myself included, can come to the truth is vis-a-vis -vis the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Listen to what Jesus said, John 16, beginning in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I find that interesting. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Listen, I can be up here taking my life into my own hands, quite literally I might add and do updates like this, and present evidence like this, every day, all day, every night, all night. But it's the Holy Spirit that guides us all into the truth. Listen, I, if I could be so candid and share with you that I've been in reliving 9-11, been more than one occasion where I've just had <clears throat> to walk away, just have a good cry. I always feel good after a good cry, you know. You know how that is? All of the people that died. I remember my uncle saying to me one time, he was uh, from Iraq. He married, uh, his wife was from uh, Iraq. They lived in Baghdad for many, many years. And then immigrated to America, and 
He told me one day, he said, Wahid, I, uh, America is killing the Iraqi people. And at first I was talking about cognitive dissonance. You know, We're fighting for freedom. But a lot of these Iraqis, this is just Iraq. I mean, you've got Afghanistan, you've got all of these. These are people that Jesus died for, by the way. And um, I don't mean to be mean when I say this, but Jesus loves them as much as He loves you and me. You can find the statistics on your own. It's literally millions of people in the Middle East. But just reliving the events of that day and just the trauma, I've actually had to ask the Lord to kind of protect my heart. It's so disturbing, it's so troubling, it's so hard to hear and hard to bear. But <laughs> it can also be that which leads me to the truth about this evil and fallen world, not our home. Isn't it true that it's when our hearts are troubled, knowing that we've been deceived, that we're propelled to the truth, Jesus, in whom we've believed? That's the effect that it had on me. I got physically sick too. And for those of you who know me, I'm, I'm a crier. Paul cried a lot. Oh, by the way, Jesus cried too, so I'm just being like Jesus. So, But I'll be the first to admit, I mean, I've wept so over this and still do. The Lord directed me to John 14 settles my heart, ministers to my heart, comforts my heart. You know it well. Spoiler alert, it's about the rapture, <laughs> which is why it's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, along with all the other verses in all the Bible. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wait, where are you am, that I'm going to be also? Your father's house? Yeah. Wait, you're taking me out of here? When? <laughs> You're taking me there to where you are in your father's house where there are many mansions? Yeah. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, a bridal chamber. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now Thomas, verse 5, and this poor guy, I think there's going to be a very long line in heaven of people apologizing to this guy. I think that the line will be almost as big as the line of people apologizing to Peter. But anyway, I think it gets a lot of bad press. Jesus loved Thomas, and Thomas was a thinker, I think, very analytical. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how we can know the way. Notice Jesus' response. Actually, 
conspicuously absent from his response is any rebuke, like, come on, Thomas, what's the matter with you? No. And never imagine a harsh tone coming from the Savior. Even when he would say to the disciples, oh, ye of little faith, never imagine that there was a disgust or a disdain in his voice. No, it was a compassion and a love. Jesus said to him, you'll forgive me, but it's kind of like, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, I wonder if Thomas just embraced the Savior. Well, let me try to wrap it up. Think about this. Is this not how it's going to be for Israel as a nation coming to salvation? in the seven-year tribulation? Is it not true that it will be the deception in the lie of the Antichrist that brings them to a saving knowledge of their true Christ? It serves as the catalyst. When they realize they've been deceived by the lie of the Antichrist, they will come to the truth, Jesus Christ. And I'll take it one step further, and we're almost done, and I appreciate your patience. So too is this true for every single one of us. If you think about it, it's when we realize that we're living a lie that we've broken God's law, that we've sinned against God, that we're led by our tutor to the truth, the Savior, the Christ, Jesus Christ. This is what Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. Well, here's the bottom line. It's only when my hope in this world, this life, has been shaken, that I'll put my hope in Jesus for eternal life. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Those who have the hardest time with sound doctrine and a prophecy update like this today are the ones that are still holding out hope in this world. I I, I hate to use the expression, but for lack of a better one, they need to have their world rocked by the rock the rock of our salvation, where you are so shaken, you realize, wait a minute, I've been deceived. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.